With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road. Getting from there to here. It's been a long time. But my time is finally here. And I can feel the change in the Right now, nothing's in my way, and we're not gonna hold it down no more. No, we're not gonna hold it down. Good evening, everybody. This is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. How is everybody doing tonight? We have a great show tonight and a great guest. And But before I introduce her, I'm going to give a couple of announcements. Um, we have a new website that was just up today. Okay, uh, I have listened to everybody about the confusions with the packages and all that stuff and, you know, trying to find out how to get the 15-minute uh, complimentary get acquainted uh, appointment, and we redid the whole kit and caboodle. There's no more packages. It's like it used to be before. You just make an appointment with me, and it's very, very user-friendly. Uh, please look it over, okay? Uh, it looks pretty even, okay? It's really easy to navigate, and we're going to be adding stuff to it as the weeks go on. Uh, please tell your healthcare providers that uh, we're going to be having a practitioner's only area. And I'm going to start doing, Sean and I are going to start doing trainings uh, for individual practitioners and group trainings. Okay. And we're going to also be having a roundtable discussion group so that practitioners can get together with their tough cases, present them, and we can have the, have a um, kind of a group discussion. Those are all in the wings that are going to be happening real soon. Uh, next week, we're going to be uh, talking to Dr. Eliza from Australia, and um, we'll talk about that later. Anyway, this week, we have a very special guest, Dr. May- Megan Kirschling. Hey, Megan, how are you? Good. How are you I doing, Dr. Jess? I'm doing well. Yes, I am. <laughs> Just taking in all the cool information <laughs> about your new site. I'm going to go check it out. Oh, it's very cool. It's very cool. It's very cool. Of course, I used my poor IT person. I used a whip sonner over the weekend. <laughs> Like, it's got to change. It's got to change. It's got to change now. And she was like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You know. <laughs> anyway, well, I want to introduce that. very short time, then. That's awesome. She's very good. She's very good. Very, yes. very good. Well, I'm excited uh, to check it out when we get up. 
Mm-hmm. And, and everything's like on the fr- on the landing page, so it's like really really easy to navigate. Oh, and nice. There's no uh, there's no little hidden things here and there. Like the other one, you had to sign up for the um, sign up for the newsletter, or wouldn't let you go anywhere else. I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah. It has to be a choice. Make a yes or a no. You know? <laughs> okay. We all and appreciate user friendly websites, so that is awesome. It's good. It's good. And plus everybody's looking to read their twenty three and me and, and you can, you know, put yeah. your email address in and get my video on how to read your twenty three and me without going crazy, in which case unless you want the British <laughs> version, which is how to read your twenty three and me without going bonkers. You know, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> how to make it special for UK, you know. Anyway, Dr. Yes. Megan is uh is got a very similar background uh to me, except I which makes me incredibly jealous, but that's besides the point. Uh, she has both an allopathic and alternative medicine background. She received her doctor, receiving a doctor of chiropractic from Northwestern Health Sciences University, a bachelor of science in nursing and exercise science from Valparaiso University, a master's in nutrition from University of Connecticut at Bridgeport. Oh my God! And master's in nursing and women's health from University of Cincinnati. I don't think this girl sleeps. Okay. She currently works I'm in Minnesota. I'm catching up now. I'm catching up now. You're catching up now? <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I'm the last thing to Okay. Yes. <laughs> Listen, the way you, that's why I lost all my hair, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Interesting. I'm going to stop before fact. my hair starts going. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I can dig it. She works, uh, currently works in Minnesota at a functional medicine clinic, seeing patients of all ages with various health concerns. And you know how I feel about a good eclectic provider. Uh, her um, background includes uh, being an organ transplant nurse, uh, working with the U.S. Army as a civilian uh, provider for four years overseas in Germany. And I was in the Army, too. That was cool. Uh, her passion mm-hmm. is education and teaching. We share passions. Uh, she currently is a faculty member for the University of Maryland University campus and teaches health science classes. Impressive. And recently, she started Beyond the Basics Health Academy where she provides podcasts, blogs, and courses on various health topics, which can be found at btbha.com. Let me tell you, this is one high-functioning, intelligent, very motivated and passionate healthcare provider. Welcome, 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 welcome. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. So I'm very excited, and I'm excited about our topic because it's definitely when we talk about passion and education. Hormones is my favorite subject to talk about. And I feel like the conversation uh, isn't always, people get really confused by this conversation. So I'm excited to have this conversation and really discuss things that are important to everybody across the lifespan. I am very happy you um, you mentioned that you'd like to do this because first we haven't had a, a a hormone show in a really long time. And uh, kind of the ones we had before were Less than understandable, uh, to be perfectly honest. And uh, and I have a feeling that you're going to have an approach that brings it down to everybody's uh, level of understanding because you have such an eclectic background and you know how to teach. You know, us nurses, um, that's what we do, you know. Right. We make sure that people understand what's going on. Aside from making sure that the doctors don't kill people, you know, our mm-hmm. our thing is to make sure our patients, you know, come in broken and leave whole. And um, mm-hmm. let's face it. Doctors don't save your life. Nurses do. So, yo. And you have, like, lots yeah. of degrees in nursing. I'm, I'm into it. And as an organ transplant <laughs> well, nurse, I hope <laughs> – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna no, I was just going to say, though, you know, <laughs> no, even though um, obviously my career has taken me down many different paths in the medical world, there is nothing like nursing, uh, being by somebody and actually listening 
you know, the one thing I think we do get uh, as a nurse is the ability to actually listen to a patient's mm-hmm. needs and to do the education part of it. So I am excited to discuss this because I think that a lot of people are in the boat where they're confused by hormones. We send out a lot of confusing messages about hormones, mm-hmm. and they really are fascinating, but when they're taken in a comprehensive and individual style, they are life-changing. And so that's why I really think that hormones are something that we shouldn't be running from, we should be addressing. I would like you to tell everybody, I mean, I, I read your background, okay, but you could have gone mm-hmm. in innumerable different directions. And, I mean, you, you've got training, you know, that is nothing short of impressive. What got you specifically passionate about women's health? Um, I think two things. I think that um, first clinical, I'd say clinical experience and personal. Um, I do think obviously as a woman, uh, I've now gone through a couple of different stages of life and I've realized the power of hormones, both when they are working correctly and when they're not working correctly. But then working with women, I have just really a lot of times realized that people aren't listening to women um, when it comes to hormones. And I think that spoke to me where I wanted people to understand hormones and to be listened to. And so I think a lot of times what happens is that, you know, there can be hormonal balances even prepubescent, that we get these uh, young girls that are coming in whose hormones are imbalanced, things aren't right, and they're just being told, oh, this is going to be okay, just give it time. Or they say, hey, I'm going to give you, you know, a synthetic birth control, and we'll just sort of forget about it and hope it fixes itself. And you know, really, when hormones go off, and they can go off any phase in life, that they should be addressed and looked at at the whole picture. And then, because with hormones, too, that's a window into a bunch of other different systems, too, from obviously thyroid to energy pathways to stress. So mm-hmm. I think that the hormones, they're such a beautiful thing, and they're a delicate dance, but when they're addressed the right way, uh, they are very powerful. Incredibly so, incredibly so. Uh, just to, uh, to uh, not to put too fine of a point on it, uh, you did say prepubescent hormones, um, and I've always been curious about this. My opinion is that women start cycling about two, maybe three years prior to actually getting their period. Is that correct? Yep, and that's what we were starting to see because, you know, obviously you start to see those sex uh, changes and the changes um, that are due to hormones well before the period actually comes. So you start to see the breast buds and the pubic hair and things like that. So hormones change way before the menstrual cycle does occur. And I think the unfortunate part is now even from birth, there's a hormone issue because there's so many foreign hormones in our environment. Right. The so xenoestrogens, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so the foreign hormones and xenoestrogens, they just wreck havoc. And we now know that we are finding it, you know, at birth in blood. So. And, and if you, uh, if no, if no one calls in asking questions, I'm going to be asking a couple of questions about xenoestrogens <laughs> towards the end because, um, that in, uh, it's relation to glyphosates and what we're kind of running mm-hmm. up against you and I with, um, you know, and I know because you've seen it in your practice that, uh, people are getting sicker earlier, not just, we're talking mm-hmm. about babies coming out sick. Uh, it's, 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 it's almost an epidemic. Um, yeah. so, 
let's talk about hormones. That's what we're here for tonight. That's what we're going to concentrate on. And, and I know that you have a world of things to share. So, you know, I'm going to right up front ask if you would be on the show again uh, at some time in the future and address whatever else you're passionate about. But tonight it's hormones. Um, All right. How do you I... how do you approach hormones? Um, I think the most important thing is that it does need to be an individualized approach. And I do that through assessment. Again, I think that from the nursing background that we just don't listen enough and that we can get a lot of information from a very good assessment, questionnaires and things like that. But because hormones are so different and really because there is a dance, especially between the two main hormones for women of estrogen and progesterone, that a lot of times we obviously do need to go a step further and assess them. I actually assess pretty individual, too. For some of the hormones, I do like blood levels, but I will tell you time and time again, I get a lot more value out of either saliva or urine. And the reason is is because we've sort of proven with blood hormones that they don't really change even when there's a problem. I mean, a woman can go in with an estrogen-dominant breast cancer, and we don't find that on an estrogen level in her blood. So we don't really, aren't able to really see a functional level with the blood. Um, I tend to like, if they are not on hormones, to start with saliva because saliva is filtered blood. So we get a bioavailable uh, level then, and we can then look at not only each hormone individually, and it's a comprehensive panel of about 12 different hormones, but it also then lets us look at how they're relating to each other because that's a big part of the picture too. And then uh, I also will assess on everybody cortisol and stress, thyroid, insulin, other things that go into the hormone pathway because these hormones aren't dancing alone. They're dancing as part of the whole hormone system. A lot of people don't realize that the adrenal system, the thyroid system, and the hormonal, the endocrine system talk to one another constantly. Yeah. And uh, and that's the dance you speak of. Um, we talk about um, uh, there's a concept of neuroendoimmunology, which is exactly mm-hmm. that particular dance, and it's it's a very significant dance. Yeah, and the other thing that I tell patients a lot too is you also have to remember about white noise in your body. So even if one of these systems are throwing up some what I call white noise, then that's going to confuse the other systems. And so it really is important then to do this full assessment and do this full intake so that you can see where people's white noise is, where their primary concern is, and where things really need to be fixed. The other reason, too, is because I'm not a firm believer in let's throw tons and tons of hormones at somebody, and if they don't need hormones, then let's not give them hormones. And so a lot of times hormone imbalances can be from something else. Wonderful. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you take a really good history, you do a full assessment, not just concentrating on the hormones, but concentrating on the body Mm -hmm. and uh, identifying where the problems are. And uh, when it comes to when it is in the hormonal area, you're, you're fairly well expert at dealing with it. And the one other thing that I'll say is a huge component is looking at the hormone pathways. And so we've already talked about this a little bit, but foreign estrogens and foreign hormones have to be addressed. You, You know, I don't really put anybody on hormones without also asking the question, why are there hormones like this? And a lot of times it's because of lifetime exposure of hormones in our environment. Um, You know, everything from our drinking water to different prescription drugs and birth control, plastics, things like that. So 
I also work on clearing up the pathways while I use bioidentical hormones to balance out somebody when warranted. Since you're on the subject, and this is something I've, I've always never been able to answer with any kind of um, <laughs> accuracy, um, I, I have three levels of knowledge, passing knowledge, working knowledge, and expertise. And this is sort of like my passing knowledge, you know. Uh, what is the difference between synthetic and bioidentical hormones? I know what the words mean, but what's the real difference? Yeah, I actually love this question because I think it's so important for people to understand this because, you know, with the synthetic hormones that we were using, you know, in the 90s and early 2000s with what we call the Women's Health Initiative, which is where we started to realize that hormones are powerful and that they had an extremely powerful effect on health and wellness. And so we thought, okay, if we can start to give women estrogen and progesterone, then we can start to even prevent diseases that we might not even link to hormones, like, you know, cardiovascular, heart health, brain health, and, you know, bone health. And we were using in that study synthetic estrogen and progesterone. What we found is we had to obviously stop the study. They had to stop the study early because they were getting more side effects than benefits, and it wasn't safe to continue. That then in 2002 caused everyone to fear hormones. But we can learn a lot from that study without fearing it. And the main thing that we can understand and sort of learn from that is the difference between synthetic and bioidentical. Synthetic hormones are larger molecules. They are foreign molecules because they are patented prescription drugs. So they are close enough in resemblance to a hormone to have an effect on the receptor. So on all of our cells, and a good example for women is breast tissue because we are so, our breast cells are so receptive to estrogen that on those cells we have specific receptors that then are made for estrogen. What happens with a synthetic hormone is it's a larger molecule. And so it goes in and it activates, but it doesn't activate the same as a natural or identical because sometimes it'll go in and sit in that receptor but not activate it. And sometimes it'll go in and what I call gunk up that system because it's a larger, heavier molecule. So what happened then is that when we were getting synthetic drugs, we were starting to see a lot of side effects such as breast cancer. And we were finding that it wasn't a good idea to just give these women synthetic progesterone and estrogen. What bioidentical is is that it still comes from a different source. So it's not coming from a human. I think that's important to note because people will sometimes say, well, it's coming from a different source. But it's identical in the composition, in the chemical composition, uh, than the hormones that we make. So there's two things about it then. It has a similar effect where our hormones fluctuate daily, and anyone that's either a woman or been around a woman knows this, that they fluctuate daily. Oh, and yeah. And they go in, yes, <laughs> that is something everybody knows. Um, but what happens then is that with a bioidentical, is it goes in and it has an effect on the cell and then it leaves. And that's what hormones should do, is they should go in, have an effect on that lock and key receptor to the cell that they're trying to target, and then they should leave. They shouldn't stick around and linger. And the synthetic foreign hormones, whether it's, you know, environmental ones or it's birth control or it's a synthetic hormone replacement, they're larger molecules. So they then can have an effect on the cell, but they have more side effects because of the fact that they're not identical. I like the way you put it. I like the way you put it, that it gunks up the receptor. You know, some of our colleagues, 
especially in the alternative medicine realm, want to be so ultra-specific, they tend to confuse themselves. Okay? Mm -hmm. The fact is, it's, if you quote-unquote, it's messing with the receptor. Okay? It's causing Mm -hmm. receptor dysfunction. And that's the best way to understand it. You know? So I'm glad that you put it exactly that way, because that's the best way to put it. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I say this, I think, all the time, but we can't mess with Mother Nature. Mother Nature knows what she's doing. And when we, you know, try to figure something out in a lab and say this is going to have the same effect, that what happens is that's where a lot of the long-term side effects go. And we saw that with the foreign and hormone um, synthetics of estrogen and progesterone because we saw some positives right away, but over time it was leading to too many side effects, and that's because these are larger molecules that pretty much, I mean, to, point of it, to put you into a visual, they go into these receptors and they linger around, and so they jam up that lock and key so that the real hormones can't come in. And I see clinically now so many women when I test salivary levels, they are estrogen dominant in their assessment. So they're having, you know, feelings of like hot flashes and anxiety. And estrogen is the I am woman, hear me roar. And they feel like they're over warring, you know, that they just are over estrogenated and estrogen dominant. But when I test them on a bioavailable level, they're extremely low. And that's where I, you know, have theorized and treated women and gotten good results with saying we have to debunk the system of all the foreign estrogens they have and then reteach their body how to utilize both the estrogen and progesterone dance, along with testosterone, depending on where that's at. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, you know, I'd like to get your opinion on since we're close to this subject. Uh, I love. I remember the commercial. It's not nice to. It's not nice to fool mother nature. Yeah, it's a, yes, it, yeah. but I'm. I, I'm reminded of there's a lot of birth control pills out there that will prevent a woman from having a period for like three months. Mm-hmm. Um, something bothers me about that. Well, it also is uh, sort of interesting, the rules that we've just made, and we just sort of all agree with them. So somebody made a rule that as long as the uterine lining sheds every, you know, three months and you have at least three to four periods, a year, you're okay. But it's not really about the uterine lining. It's about hormone balance. Uh, One of the things about the uterus is that uh, when we look at hormones, the hormones, the main place we make hormones as women is ovaries. And so Mm -hmm. what happens, though, is that if we are saying, okay, it's just important for us to shed the lining of the uterus every couple months, we're forgetting the more important part, which is hormone balance throughout life. And I think we're still trying to find out what would be a good alternative for birth control when we're actually using birth control for birth control um, without interfering with hormones. But the truth of the matter is, and I wish there was a better answer to this, there's no real great birth control that also, I think, respects hormones at the level that they should be respected. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, when you look at birth control that I say that nobody should ever be on birth control but I think that we're there. There isn't a birth control that I know of that I think really respects hormones the way that they should. And what they're trying to do is outthink 
karma. Okay. I, I just had a bad feeling about it. You know, whenever whenever <laughs> something prevents a body from functioning like that, it's got just a bad feeling about it, you know? Um, yeah, and really, really the, that also, to piggyback off that, the other thing that really sort of hurts my heart as a um, clinician is when people decide that they're going to use birth control to mask hormone imbalances. So, you know, these young women that are coming in, that their periods are irregular, or they're getting acne when the hormones go up, um, or they're gaining weight or things like that, and uh, heavy bleeding, uh, and they're told, let's just put you on birth control. Uh, I think that's a great opportunity to look at hormone balance and to see where the hormone imbalances are and to fix it then at a young age versus, you know, some of these women will go on birth control for 10, you know, 15 years to balance out and then come off of it when they want to have children. So I wish we did take a more comprehensive um, approach to at that time because I think that is a very monumental time to balance hormones when something shows up off. So you, you've been um, kind of circling around this particular question. Tell me some of the misconceptions that the general public has on hormones. Well, I think the number one misconception is that all hormone replacement is bad, or it's all the same, I should say. Uh, I think when you find somebody who knows what they're doing with hormone replacement and you do it individualized and comprehensively, that uh, it can be a very powerful and great way to balance the rest of the body um, because the rest of the body is listening to what the hormones are saying. Uh, the other thing is even uh, the beginning of March, the New England Journal of Medicine came out with an article that said, you know, we missed the boat on hormones, that we really should be doing them uh, at a younger age and that bioidentical is not the same as the synthetic hormones that we got scared of. Um, I also think that one of the things about hormones is that, especially when there are problems at a younger age, we try to say, okay, let's just ignore them and hope that they fix themselves. We will address it if there's a fertility issue or if there is a perimenopausal or menopausal woman in our office that says, I can't ignore this anymore. When really, when we feel imbalanced as women, I think that we owe it to ourselves and our hormones to really get them addressed and to look at why they're imbalanced. And that not all hormonal imbalances are even primary hormone problems. And that's why you have to look at everything else too because there's a lot of other things that can cause the hormones to be out of balance uh, and that's important to take a look at. When, um, and again, um, you kind of, I'm not, I want to say danced around, but you, you kind of circled around this one also. Uh, and if you get into a little bit uh, better depth, because uh, you've mentioned it, and, and um, what role do hormones play in someone's over, overall health and wellness? By the way, uh, maybe you could explain to everybody what um, a hormone actually is, because it's not just yep, sex no, hormones. There's loads of different hormones. Yep. So... When we talk about hormones, that they come from the endocrine system. So the endocrine system is made up of, you know, different hormones in general. So everything from the thyroid, um, that's sort of that master um, uh, hormone for uh, metabolism, to 
the pancreas and the way that it releases insulin and blood sugar control to the testes and ovaries that release uh, reproductive hormones. That what happens with hormones is that they go in and they have an effect on a cell. And so they are the chemical messengers in our body that tell our cells to do something specific. So, for instance, insulin goes in and tells our cells to allow blood sugar inside of the cell out of the blood so that we can then use that for energy production. So when we talk about hormones then in general, um, we have to look at the full picture of it. And the other organ or organ that goes into the endocrine is the adrenal. And so the adrenals are organs that look at stress control, especially long-term stress control and cortisol. So all of these endocrine organs all work alone in some sense because they all have their specific function. But it's so intricate, too, how they all come together to make sure that everything is balanced out. And so if there is an imbalance in one thing, like the thyroid, and the thyroid is off, and all of a sudden metabolism is not where it should be, which I don't know about you, but I'm seeing more clinically and clinically like thyroid problems are through the roof. Uh, oh, yeah. More than I even, oh, yeah. More than I even, I mean, I would love to see what you think about this too, but even more than five years ago, almost everybody mm-hmm. that walks into my office now has some kind of thyroid uh, problem. And subclinical too, where, you know, we're, I think part of it is that we haven't been addressing it the way that we should clinically, we just look at one part of it, TSH and sometimes T4. But I right. so many people that when you really correctly. look at it, yeah, that in the last five, ten years, so many people, thyroids have been under attack and we're seeing functional dysfunction that, you know, they might not even be at a diagnosable state, but their thyroid's not functioning at the level it should. And, it's, and true. Definitely, it's true. It's true. Yeah. What it, what I mean, is uh, since you're on the subject, what is your opinion as to why that's happening? Um, I think it has to do with a lot of. I mean, I I do think environmental toxins have a huge component. Um, and environmental mm-hmm. toxins, both diet, lifestyle, and things we're exposed to. The tissue of the thyroid is very sensitive. It's probably some of the most sensitive tissue that we have in our body mm-hmm. because it's constantly metabolically active, and it has to be for mm-hmm. us to survive and thrive. And so I think when we look at the fact that we are being exposed to so many environmental toxins and we're being exposed to so many things through diet, uh, that that just plays a role and wrecks havoc on our thyroid and our thyroid health. Um, I also think a lot of people, uh, um, you know, not to blame uh, traditional medicine and their approach to it. Blame, blame, please blame. blame. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know if I placed blame if I wasn't going to be invited back, but okay, I'll place blame. That the way the thyroid works is that, you know, it gets a signal from the, all the hormones start with the brain. So the brain tells the organs what to do in the endocrine system. And, you know, we sort of in the traditional medicine world think that we should look at the brain signal, the TSH, as the gold standard. So people are going into the doctor's office saying that I'm low energy, I don't feel good, you know, I can't get out of bed in the morning, I'm gaining weight, I'm losing hair. And they check this one, one TSH and then they say, oh, don't worry, it's not your thyroid. And then people listen to their doctor and walk away and still don't mm-hmm. feel good, still can't get out of bed, lose more hair, you know, mm-hmm. get 
their skin and they go dry, and they go down the wet. road. Yes, <laughs> they're told by their loved ones, "You don't look good," and they're like, "Well, I got my thyroid checked. I'm okay." And then what happens is, you know, this goes on for a couple of years. They go back and they still are told that okay, it's trending in the wrong direction, but it's still in an okay uh, range. You're fine. But what's happening is they're not looking at the full picture of the thyroid because the thyroid, it too is an intricate dance. It's not just one hormone. Uh, it's multiple. And so what's happening then is that it's not getting addressed at an early stage, which is a much easier intervention. And then by that time of years of the thyroid not working properly, then all of a sudden the hormones are off too, the adrenals and those stress hormones are off, and, you know, there's a lot of other components then too. So That's I think exactly all of that correct. ties in. Yeah, I mean, and it's, and it's sad because, like, like I said, I've seen a huge rise in it in the last five, ten years. And I think that we've missed the boat on the thyroid in a big way. There's two things that I've uh, actually, a few things that I've noticed. Number one, the, the uh, ignorance of gluten as a contributor to mm-hmm. um, thyroid problems. Uh, there's a there's a ton of evidence in the like New England Journal of Medicine yep. and British Medical Journal that points to that. And two, uh, we tend to because of our when I say our the allopathic specialization thought pattern of thinking that organ systems work separately in a linear fashion rather than interactively. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have that hy- hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis which runs our stresses and a hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis and a hypothalamic pituitary ovarian or gonadal axis, and they all work together. So they're constantly mm-hmm. chattering to one another. And uh, I'm able to help a thyroid by fixing the adrenals. Uh, in most postmenopausal women, um, where the ovaries aren't working at, at capacity the way they should, the precursor to the female hormones is DHEA, as it is in that whole pregnenolone mm-hmm. pathway, and that's coming out of the adrenals. So you have consistent adrenal fatigue. And I think one of the things I've noticed is that I'm seeing that earlier and earlier. It's sad. Earlier mm-hmm. and earlier and earlier, I'm seeing adrenal fatigue. I'm seeing it in kids. So by the time they get to the prepubescent stage, you know, that T, uh, HPTGA axis is off already. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering between that and toxins and the xenoestrogens and so forth, how much of it is is interacting and interplaying. Well, and I think that a lot of people could listen to what you just said and think doom and gloom, but I think just the opposite because I think it's such an important part to educate and understand mm-hmm. that because you actually then start to realize you have a lot of control. You know, because there is that research about gluten and the effect that it has on thyroid. And I just think that what we've done to gluten in this country, I'm really getting into blaming now. So I'm going to the uh, blaming of the way we farm and uh, grow gluten. But, Go for it because you, you, know, you're, you can't be wrong because what's going on with the farming that's that's killing everybody. I mean, well, people, and I would say you know, this. Oh, no, I was just going to say that. I can say this from, you know, personal experience, too. I've never done really well with gluten and have been off of it. And then when I went over to Germany to work for four years, I was able to eat their gluten. I was able to go to Italy and eat their pastas and not have the side effects because it is that we are making a whole different gluten grain that is a foreign molecule to our body, but also wrecking havoc 
on different parts of our body from brain health to thyroid. And so mm-hmm. even if you don't necessarily have a gluten sensitivity or gluten allergy, I really come to conclude there's no safe consumption of gluten anymore in our country because of what we've done to it. We've done to it. And the other part about gluten with the thyroid is the phytic acid part of it, which gluten is also made of something called phytic acid, which binds, and it's a um, binder of a lot of different uh, vitamins and minerals, especially one of the ones I see is selenium, which is so important for thyroid health because of the way that it converts the different thyroid hormones from T4 to T3. So, you know, there's different, even different parts of gluten that are bad then for people, especially if there's thyroid concerns. Amazing. It's not as simple as just throwing um, thyroid hormone at somebody, is it? No, it it is not. And the thing, too, that this is a great takeaway for all hormones is that, you know, I understand that a lot of times we do want a quick fix and we sort of are geared towards one pill, one ill kind of, you know, philosophy. But really when it comes down to it, it has to be a multifactorial approach. And education is mm-hmm. that first step to sort of understand and then Agreed. really to go from there and change lifestyle and exposure. We can't live in a bubble, but the more educated we are, the more we can reduce what we're being exposed to. Agreed. Agreed. It is a, it is what we commonly or <laughs> try to refer to as a holistic approach. But every time you say the word holistic, somebody, everybody thinks woo-woo. You know, they're thinking you're going to bring out crystals or swing a dead chicken over somebody's head, you know. But what holism is, holistic approach is, is giving the best of allopathic and alternative medicine Mm -hmm. and affording your patient everything because um, what is alternative medicine? It's You know, it makes your differential diagnosis wider. You look at more things. You consider more things. You never say to anybody, oh, that can't happen. You just always mm-hmm. think, why is, why is that happening? Why is that happening? You know, and you keep chasing it down and chasing it down and chasing it down. By the way, everybody, if you'd like to ask Dr. Megan a question, um, sitting here on the chat room, go ahead and type out a question, and uh, I'll ask her if you want to call in. The number is 646-595-2277. That's 646-595-2277. If anybody would like to call in and ask a question of our guest. So what range of individuals can benefit from hormone therapy? Oh, sorry, one more time. What did you say? I'm sorry. Just cut what, out there what, that's okay. Uh, what age range of individuals can benefit from hormone therapy? Well, that's another great question that I actually am very passionate about, is that I actually think that everybody can benefit from at least hormone assessment, um, because I don't think that hormones should be uh, just obviously prescribed or addressed across the board. But because we do have so many environmental toxins because of the things that we were just talking about, that it's really beneficial for both men and women. Um, women, you know, obviously we sort of focus on this more uh, because I think we know when our hormones are out of balance a little bit more. But I can't tell you how many men, too, have come to me for infertility low sex drive, uh, men, you know, growing man boobs and things like that because they're being exposed mm. to these foreign estrogens too. And so, therefore, it's important, too, to make sure that everything is the way that it should be. And we, one other thing, too, that I want to talk about with the endocrine system is that it's also important to realize that blood sugar and body composition 
are where they should be. And the reason for blood sugar is because if you are producing more insulin and you're not regulating your blood sugar and you have a diet that's more uh, that's higher in uh, um, simple sugars and things like that, then you as a woman will naturally start to produce more testosterone. And so you will start to have a masculinizing effect from uncontrolled insulin levels. The thing then, too, about weight composition is that we've proven that now we store hormones in fat. So we used to think that fat was just this sort of safe locker that we could just put extra energy in and it just sits there. We now know that for every 10 pounds of extra fat you have on your body, that you're also holding on to all the toxins and the hormones that then get released and signal your body. So they then become their own endocrine organ, and they wreak havoc on the body. So, I, And I know that when there's hormone imbalances, it's harder to lose weight, but that's why it's also so important is because it's become sort of a double-edged sword for you. You've gained weight because of hormone imbalances, but then now that weight is signaling your body in ways that it shouldn't. So all of those things, too, are important to look at. And really to look at, like I said, when you know that there's a hormone imbalance or you feel it, to go to somebody who will address it on a comprehensive, holistic manner because it is easier to fix it in a 14-year-old girl or a 14-year-old boy than it is to fix it in a 45-year-old woman or 45-year-old man. I completely agree, and I, I like the fact that you stated the truth. The truth is that you have to be well-experienced and well-trained to do this kind of work. You cannot do it haphazardly. Okay, to fix Mm -hmm. one system without considering the other systems is tantamount, you know, to, you know, throwing a bomb inside the body. It's the argument I have with people with MTHFR. You know, it's like it's Mm -hmm. one gene. You cannot treat a gene. You know, you cannot treat the one enzyme, okay? If you do, you know, the body's going to backlash somewhere else. You have to look at everything together and it takes a lot of training and a lot of time and a lot of effort and a willingness on the part of the healthcare provider to get the training and to do the work. Okay. That people aren't asking, people don't know what to ask for. Okay. Mm -hmm. What they want is to feel good and to be healed. It's our job as healthcare providers to put that all together for them. And I think the other thing, too, that I want to say from that, because I think it's another important part of that beautifully said statement you just said, is that it also in a healing uh, capacity like this, it takes time. Hormones especially, I see this, you know, we are talking about a couple months at least of signaling your body in a certain way to get it right again because we're not using something that's going to stop a process or really push a process. We're trying to bring it back in a natural way. And so the one other thing that I like for people to realize is that that's another reason why I do such a thorough assessment and evaluation, too, is because I want to make sure that we're going in the right direction because it's not always going to be a situation where two days later you're going to say, wow, I feel the best that I've ever felt. You know, this is a long process of reversing. It's a process. Yeah. And reversing. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm I'm agreeing with you. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, I... Yeah, but reversing those things that have been missignaled before. And the other analogy that I use sometimes that uh, sort of spoke to me when you were saying the 
thing about looking at one specific thing. When people come in and they come in with this laundry list of symptoms, that by that time I tell people it's sort of like you have this forest fire, that we sort of have to figure out where the fire started because that's what we want to go after, but we also have to address the whole forest fire. And when you look at just one component, you're going after one tree, and you might be able to put out that tree, but you're also going to be sort of spinning your wheels in mud because you're not looking at the big picture of putting out that forest fire while you're also figuring out how it started. Wonderful. We, we, you and I do the same things using different stories. <laughs> I like it. I, like I think it. when you find yeah, a teacher, you find a person that uses a lot of analogies. I didn't even realize how many analogies I use. So now I have patients come in and they're like, what analogy are you going to use today? I'm like, I don't know. Let's see. You know, and it works once you find one that people understand or better yet, other doctors understand because let's face it, when you teach people, you have to teach at a sixth grade level. When you teach doctors, mm-hmm. you have to teach at a, fourth, at a fourth grade level. Okay. There's a lot of denial mm-hmm. there. Okay. And right. uh, you got to give them the big picture. But, and this also pulls them out of that focusing on minutia. Okay. The body was made to mm-hmm. work. Okay. It's uh, some of the podcasts I've done that, you know, people, go to the methylation. The first word of the mouth is methylation, methylation. And I show them the big picture of all the biochemical processes in the body. And then I show them where methylation is. And then my next slide is the galaxy with that arrow that says you are here. <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah. like, you can't fix the whole body by fixing what you can't fix the whole galaxy by fixing one planet. You know, you've got to consider the whole galaxy, you know, um, yeah. or the, or, you know, when you're trying to treat cancer or something, or, you know, we're always trying to kill the mosquito, like it's a lake, you know, that's, you know, in the sunshine, it doesn't have, and it's acidic and it doesn't have any flow and, you know, and it's producing a ton of mosquitoes. And whether we're, you know, whether you're treating that allopathically or, or, uh, you know, alternatively, you know, you're always trying to kill the mosquitoes, but nobody's paying attention to the lake. You know, we mm-hmm. should be paying attention to the lake and the mosquitoes. I mean, that's what true holistic care is all about. And this is what I'm hearing that you're doing. You're taking into consideration, you know, all aspects of the body because you want the whole person to heal. And agreeably, that takes time. But if you do it correctly, it doesn't take forever. And the end result is, you know, you aren't on a ton of supplements or medicines for the rest of your life. Your body will actually work if you get it going. Uh, People, if you want to ask a question, now would be the time, uh, 646-595-2277, 646-595-2277, or you can uh, type it in on the chat room. Okay. Um, What, uh, obviously this, go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was just going to say, because what you just said about the um, uh, mosquitoes and the lake, I actually do want to piggyback off of that, because I think, that is such an important thing for people to realize. And I think that I have now become really passionate about that, that, that analogy and what you were getting at because I, at first, too, didn't really want to address lifestyle and diet and the like. I didn't want to address the environment. I wanted to address what was wrong. And mm-hmm. I wanted to just go after the problem, mainly because I just wanted, you know, to make people feel better. And it came from a true intent of just wanting to help people. And I sure. didn't want to go after the environment. But what I've learned is that you can't go after the problem unless you also explore the environment. And, you know, that means a lot of times, too, those are sometimes tougher discussions to have because it is like, okay, you know, is this a part of my diet or is this a part of the stress that I'm being exposed to? 
or, you know, is it because I'm not balancing my life and my stress the way that I should? But if you don't go after the environment and you don't fix that, then you're only going to be putting a band-aid on it, whether that is through medication, supplement, or anything else. And so Agreed. that's where it is so important to look at both of those things uh, because it's usually, too, the lake and the environment that got you to where you were over time. So that needs to be addressed in the whole picture of everything. And so I'm glad you sort of brought that up. It's interesting um, that you brought up the Band-Aid analogy. My, my favorite, one of my favorite sayings is, is that there's uh, no dishonor in using a Band-Aid to stop bleeding. The dishonor occurs when all you do is use the Band-Aid and you don't look for the source of the bleeding. You know, and this is, I, I like think... That. I think we've been trained that way. I think we've been trained to look at, and I, I have a little cynical point of view, which I, I won't relate, uh, but in uh, allopathy, you know, the, I, I feel bad because they're limited to like eight minutes of patient, and all you can do is deal with the mm-hmm. chief complaint. You know, mm-hmm. we have the luxury, of course, we've created it, and we've accepted it, and we've taken which is the real, to go ahead and, you know, look deeper. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. People always say, "Oh, you're like Dr. House." I'm like, it, and my response is, "Thank you, but why should any hospital need a Dr. House? Isn't that what the doctors are supposed to be doing?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> things. You know, it's like, okay, yeah. do I really need a whole staff and a million dollars worth of testing to just actually sit there and figure it out? You know, it's uh, it shouldn't be. Uh, but I think that's the way the world, and uh, you know, I have my my thoughts about how it got that way, but um, treating the chief complaint uh, is how we got here. We're chasing our tails. And the result is well, a society filled of yeah, filled with chronically ill people. Yeah. And well, not to, you know, totally beat up on just the allopathic. I mean, I saw this, one of the reasons why I moved forward and did other schooling besides the doctor of chiropractic is I saw this also in chiropractic. Is we just sort of mm-hmm. got to the point where we thought, oh, we, we can adjust some, some, we can adjust all problems. And I got to the point where I thought to myself, well, if our model is that we need to adjust you for the rest of your life, you know, on a regular, regular basis, then are we nothing more than a Band-Aid? So, you know, I think that we see it sort of in all different aspects because of the fact that I think that not enough people are addressing the full picture and looking at everything in a more holistic environment. I completely agree. And... You're correct. We're both chiropractors, and, you know, I I remember the day when maintenance was once a month. Now maintenance is once a week, and I always say to myself, gee, does somebody really need 50 adjustments a year, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And then I have patients come in and say, look, well, you know, if I I take two weeks off, I feel feel terrible. I'm like, I don't want to say that. Gee, I wonder how that happened, you know, but um, I don't want, I don't want my mm-hmm. entire profession. I don't want to have to walk out the back door again <laughs> because they're waiting for me out front <laughs> with the pitchforks, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> but the, real, the reality is that if you, you know, the body has an innate intelligence to use chiropractic terms. Okay. And the innate intelligence is the way God made you. So how about we get out of the body's way, you know, and how about we give the body what it needs to work and then let it run you know, instead of trying to micromanage it all the time. Well, and one of the uh, things that I think is, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't cut you off. You weren't. No, I was just going to say, I think one of the interesting things about that and people, uh, you know, needing frequent care and people sort of taking approach where chiropractic can fix all, one of my sort of theories, which also goes with hormones, is that, you know, with chiropractic, 
uh, you know, we've been around for a little bit over 100 years. And at mm-hmm. first, you know, if you look at the beginning part of chiropractic, we were fixing amazing things. And I think that that's, that's right. set us up, you know, set us up to say, oh, well, this, if we just do this, but that, that will fix everything. But we were also, you know, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, not so such a toxic environment, you know, with right. food, lifestyle, and everything else. But now we have to address the environment. We have to address, address the lake because of the fact that, you know, we can't continue living in this environment without making some changes and then also utilizing other therapies to help change things. And so one of my theories is that it's, it's hard to say things to be a traditional or straight chiropractor because I feel that there's just too many other things going on that are interfering with the innate mm-hmm. that adjustments themselves won't stop that white noise is what I call it. So I agree. I you know, agree. One of the I think why what's I think nasty, on in education. I'm glad because you know uh, you, you've embraced what I saw the need, and which is why Sean and I created bioindividualized medicine, just a fancy word for recreating the old general practitioner. You know, is to recreate the actual holistic practitioner that listens to everything and considers everything and has the wherewithal and the training to do that. What people need is, and people come to me and, you know, do you un- do you understand the genetics? I go yes. <laughs> do you want to, do you treat into your fire? I go yes. <laughs> you know? Do you treat methylation? Yeah. I go yes. Because <laughs> when they talk with me, I don't sit there and say, okay, you're gonna look at metal. I look at everything. I give them what mm-hmm. they need. Or when when I talk with them with my 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 little complimentary um, fifteen minute get acquainted conference, I'll listen to them and say, you know what you really need is it sounds like you got too many cooks. You know, spoiling the broth. Yeah. You need somebody to put it, put it together in a de novo fashion, somebody to give you a real good listen, you know, that's going to – has the capability and the desire. It, there's a difference between having the, the knowledge and having the want to do it, okay, because this is work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can tell mm-hmm. you this is work, <laughs> as you well know, <laughs> okay? This takes a lot of work, but it's mm-hmm. worth it. You know, when you get people who, you know, otherwise are living miserable lives and you sit there and go, oh, okay, let's, you know, it's obvious that, you know, you have, you know, this, this, and this, it's never been checked and you check it and you, you find it and you fix it and they start getting better. You know, it's like, wow. Yeah, and, but did anybody listen before? Did anybody do what they're supposed to do? Well, isn't that our job? This is what we embraced. You know, and this is what mm-hmm. I hear you embracing, which is why I consider you one of the, one of the premier practitioners that I know. Speaking of which, how do people get in touch with you should they want to consult with you? Well, there's a couple of different ways. So the clinic that I'm currently at is called Synapse Center for Health and Healing, and it can be found actually at official synapse, S-Y-N-A-P-S-E.com. But I also have my own webpage where I sort of blog and send out information, and that's the Beyond the Basics Health Academy. It's a podcast that I also have. Um, so if you go to btbha.com, which is, or just type out Beyond the Basics Health Academy, you can also get an Ask Us, um, and that actually goes straight to my mail- mailbox. So if you have questions or if you didn't quite catch the name of the clinic and you want to get a hold of me, I'm also very um, uh, easy to get a hold of. It's not that you'll have to go through five people or screened or anything like that. I read all my emails and... I know the feeling. I pick up the phone, they're like, is it you? I'm like, yes, it's me. Leave me alone. Yes, 
So but the easiest way is probably just to go to Beyond the Basics Health Academy and just send an email or info at btbha.com, and you'll get straight to me so you won't have to go through office managers or anything like that. Wonderful, wonderful. Megan, I appreciate you being on the show tonight. It uh, looks like everybody's uh, listening, but they're not speaking, and that's okay because they listen to the archives, and I'm sure they'll get in touch or they'll, you know, scream and yell and jump up and down if they have questions. Uh, but I do well, appreciate your good. time. I really, I, wow. you're um, you're an amazing practitioner. You've got an incredible amount of uh, training, and I can hear the fact that you really love what you do. And uh, that's something I, I, I very much respect, seriously. Well, I thank you so much for having me on. I just, I, as you can see, I love to talk, and I love to talk to like-minded practitioners like you. So this felt like a two-minute conversation with me. <laughs> no, it's been an hour. <laughs> I know. I was, like, I was like, did I do something wrong? He's cutting me off early. And then I looked at the clock, and I was like, oh, I was done. No, no, I'm not cutting you off at all, you so, know. It's like, oh, I but I would you like are. you to consider coming I would like you to consider coming back on the show, you know, in a little bit and uh, let us talk about some other stuff that, uh, cause we're obviously very like-minded and, um, yeah. you know, I would like to uh, interview you again and, uh, you know, share more information, especially what you're doing with beyond basics health Academy. That sounds really, impre- that sounds really impressive. You know, yes, I so, would love uh, to come back on and I would love for you to come to and do a podcast with me. So I'd love to stay in touch because I uh, love people that take a, full approach to health. Well, thank you so much, and I accept. And we will be speaking soon. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Yes. Have a great night. Thanks, everybody. You too. Bye-bye. Everybody, that was uh, Megan Kirschling, and if you'd like to get in touch with her, she's a really amazing practitioner. Uh, You can type in Beyond the Basics Health Academy or btbha.com. Next week, uh, from down under, we have Dr. Eliza Lambert, who is a naturopath, homeopath, a GAPS practitioner, who's also trained in MAPS, Medical Academy of Pediatrics special, for Special Needs, and has interest in nutrigenomics, uh, digestive disorders, mental health, and autoimmune diseases. Um, she, she is going to be speaking about metabolic syndrome. I'll be interviewing her. Uh, we're going to be doing this live, so it'll be... Next Monday night at 8 o'clock, my time will be Tuesday, 10 a.m. in Australia. We'll figure it out, okay? <laughs> but, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Uh, I, I met uh, Dr. Lysma at um, Shackon 2016, uh, Dr. Ben's um, uh, conference a few weeks back. She's a very impressive uh, practitioner, and I think you'll enjoy listening to her uh, because she's a very uh, dynamic individual. So join join us next week. Again, um, we have a new Please uh, take a look at it. Uh, please give us some feedback, additions, subtractions, whatever. Okay, um, we're no longer having any packages. Uh, it's just going back to just treating with me, and <clears throat> it should be a lot easier now. Everything's on the first page. Okay, very soon we're going to be having um, training for healthcare practitioners. Um, I'd like everybody's opinion of whether there should be training for lay people who want to bring themselves um, up to a certain level of uh, knowledge in this area. Okay, and uh, one thing that I'm pretty um, passionate about is getting uh, a roundtable discussions. I think uh, practitioners, um, what I've been hearing is a lot of them have knowledge, but they don't know how to put it together. Okay, and that's what um, we're really good at. 
over here at the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine. So, again, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate um, your attention, and um, I look forward to speaking to you, to you again next week. And uh, the following weeks, uh, Dr. Jess will be in England again, seeing people and training healthcare practitioners. So there may be a couple of weeks where we don't have a um, podcast because uh, 8 o'clock at night is here is like, wait, 8 plus 5. It's kind of early in the morning over there. <laughs> Wouldn't be able to do it. Anyway, good night, people. Thanks again. And don't ever forget, uh, if nobody told you they love you today, Dr. Jess does. Been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel a change in the wind right now. Always remember, people, the reason we have these podcasts is because everybody who's suffering from chronic illnesses, you really have to know that there's a way out. It's not forever, okay? Don't believe that autoimmune diseases or anything else are something that you have to live live with. Chronic does not mean permanent, okay? I think we've been demonstrating that. That's why we have good uh, guests, and I appreciate your attention. Okay, and keep the faith. Keep it. Keep the strength. You guys are the strongest people I've ever seen. Okay, I love you all. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.